we're being weaned. You know what that means? Weaned. Weans. Wean is a phrase used to describe what it is for a mother to teach their child to survive on more than the milk that she's able to give. Weaning them. Weaning the puppies. Weaning the kittens. Weaning your children. We're being weaned. Weaned from the world. Remember, you know, we've all... Every one of us here today, every one of us online, everybody who hears this word, we've all walked the path of enjoying the things of this world, enjoying the things of this flesh, the desires of the flesh, all the things that plague us now at one time were things that we enjoyed a great deal. We're being weaned from the world. Turn, if you would, to the third chapter of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. There's much in our world to bring stress into our lives, isn't there? Oh, water main busted on me today. What am I going to do? My car, my car is broken and I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what I'm going to do to fix it. Family. Family turning against each other over a virus. You wouldn't think that would separate family, would you? You'd think that might be something that would bring a family closer together. I tell you from experience, some of the smallest, most foolish things can separate a family. I've seen... I've seen things where people will turn against each other over a picture that mom willed to one of the children. I bet some of you have seen that too, haven't you? Family turning against each other over a virus. What about this? What about workers? What about being workers being pushed so hard nowadays to accomplish so much because there's so few out there to work? You think that's something that's stressful to people? I bet it is. How about sexual identification? You think that's something that could separate and come between families? whether it be homosexuality or, or transgender, either one. You pick either one. You think that doesn't come between and separate families one way or another? Pastor Norm and I were talking about that subject here the other day. You'd be surprised at how many 
brothers and sisters in Christ are being torn apart by things just like that that are going on in the world. Are you with me in 2 Timothy chapter 3? I want you to read a couple verses with me here. Verses 11 through 14. Persecutions. Afflictions. Which came unto me, writes Paul in Antioch. At Iaconim. At Lystra. Lystra. What persecutions I endured, he said, but unto them all the Lord delivered me. Now Paul had a different kind of persecutions than what you and I may call persecutions. We don't have persecutions on the religion side of us. Not yet. Not yet. I see it coming. I see it coming more and more. Especially the stronger these so-called free will religions are getting. How long do you think it will be before they start choking out the smaller Power grows power. Don't we know that? You give somebody more power and all they want is more, right? But we have persecutions of the family, of our standards. We're told that we must accept certain things in the world around us, yet God tells us they're an abomination. Verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You're not exempt from it, folks. But evil men, verse 13, and seducers shall shall wax, grow, become more, worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived but continue. After Paul goes about bringing that up, all the things that can be go on to us in the world, all the things that we've got to walk through in this valley, shadow of death, he says this, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Every time I go into a voting booth, I go in today without hope. It's my responsibility. I'm going to go and vote. And I'm going to pray that maybe it be the Lord's will that something will change. But I don't have a whole lot of hope that it will because I know this. My Lord just told me in His Word things will wax worse and worse. Isn't that what He said? Isn't that what we base our judgment on when we say, oh man, it sure looks like the Lord's going to come back soon. Look at, how, look at how bad the world's getting around us. People believe in lies and promoting the lies. Telling you that lies are truth. Oh, and then turning around and telling you that no, that truth, that, that, that can't be true. You, you, can't, you can't say that that's true. I expect the results to be as they have been. further down that path of degeneration 
Every day goes by, my hope for this world is less and less. I'm being weaned. I'm being weaned from the world. I'm being weaned to seek the things of the world and seek instead spiritual things above. To seek after my Lord and my Savior, the one whose government, whose all the government of all creation sits on his shoulder. That's what we talked about in today's Bible study. The government on his shoulder. Oh, John. Are we going to have another pessimist type of message today? I could see myself saying that sitting in the pew listening to me talk up here. What a pessimist, John. Is there not any good in this world? Are you saying there's no hope? Well, there is a hope. And I'd like to spend the rest of what time you'll give me this morning to tell telling you where there is hope. It's not out there. It's not in the world we walk in. It's not in this body that you see standing before you. There's only one hope. And that's in our Savior. The one who does rule all things. The one who works everything, including all the trials and all that stuff that I just talked about. And He works it all out for our good. How can you say that, John? How can, you, how can you say that it's good to see a family torn apart for a virus or, or you're somebody declaring what, what they are as far as coming out of the closet or whatever? Or the boss that hounds me all day because I don't produce enough. How can you say there's any good in that? My Savior tells me there's good for me. And no matter what case, no matter what I am in, you think you folks have problems? I know somebody whose father took his own life, whose mother took her own life, and her brother was killed on a motorcycle. And none of, the, none of what I go through even comes close to that. Is there hope? Absolutely there is. As long as the sun continues to come up, there is hope. But not a hope for this generation to be any better than the last, but a hope for deliverance from it. What will deliver me from what's going on in the world around me? My Savior will deliver me. What will deliver me from the sin that I see in my own body? My Savior will deliver me. Lord, bring me through this storm in my life. Deliver me from my desperation. Turn over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, just a couple of pages to the left if you would. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We read in Scripture, for unto us, this is what we've been studying for the last couple of weeks, for unto us, Unto the people of God. Not unto the world, but unto the people of God, a child was born. 
Somebody special came into the world for us. Somebody who has all the power of creation in His hand came into the world for us. Unto us a Son was given. God the Father gave this one to you and I to be our servants. To serve us. To be a servant to us. The government is on His shoulder. His name is Wonderful. Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Not only has our Savior provided all that is needed for our salvation, our righteousness, our atonement. He is our High Priest making intercession for us right now. Oh, John, but, you know, why do I keep doing these things? Why do I keep thinking these things? Why do I keep stepping into that deep mire if I'm saved? He's sitting on His throne saying, I've already paid for that. My blood has already covered that one. The blood has already been sprinkled on the mercy seat. I am the mercy seat is what He says. Folks, if we turn to Him in our time of trials and tribulations, he promise, His promise is He will bring us through them. This is our hope. Where is there hope? It's in Him. It's in His promises. It's a hope for our spirit. Listen to the words of Colossians 1 verse 27, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the good news to a hell-deserving sinner. This world is not our home. We are sojourners, tent dwellers, and we belong to the mighty God. Are you with me in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2? I'd like you to look, if you would, with me at verse 15 and 16. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold to the traditions which ye have been taught. What are the traditions that you've been taught from this pulpit? Trust in the Lord. What are the traditions that you've learned here at Rescue where the Lord has brought you under the preaching of His Word? Trust in the Lord. Believe His Word. Hold fast to the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. <laughs> Where's the hope? That's what we're here to look at this morning. A good hope through grace. Over in Romans chapter 8, verse 24. You don't need to turn there, but we're going to see this passage. I'll share this passage with you in just a moment. It's a passage of Scripture that our prospects of eternal happiness and glory in Christ Jesus are really an unseen hope. It says in Romans 8, 24, we are saved by hope but hope that is seen is not hope. Well, what do you mean by that, John? And then it goes on. It says, after that, For what a man seeth, 
what doth he yet hope for? Or in other words, if you see something, if you can grab a hold of it and hang on to it, then the hope's done, isn't it? No. If we hope for that which is, if we hope for that which we see not, then we with patience wait for it. That's what hope is. Waiting for it. Waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled. Waiting for the promise of God to take us out of this world and put us in the presence of His Son, the Lord Jesus. If you read the preceding verses of that in Romans 8.24, you'll find that the Apostle Paul is talking about the whole of creation. Everything in creation. You'll find out that, that it says that creation, the trees, the vegetables, the plants, and the flowers, and all things in creation, including the animals, were made subject to vanity and decayed because of Adam's sin. Because of Adam's sin, everything that we see, everything that is, will be cursed and burnt up. When Adam fell, death came into the world by one man's sin, and death came into the world by one man's disobedience. Sin and death came into the world, and death passed upon not only the human population, but was also passed upon the world. The whole world is suffering because of Adam's fall. That's what all the chaos that you and I can see clearly now because we've been given eyes to see things according to the Lord Jesus Christ. We can see it clearly where we could not see it before. That's why there's all that out there. And we were right in the mix of it, weren't we? If you say you weren't, you call God a liar. The whole world is suffering because of Adam's fall. We see death. All about us, don't we? You know how many times I have to walk out here and pick up branches because the trees are dying? Some of them fall in the building. Mike, Mike and I got up there and fixed a pretty big hole, didn't we, Mike? Yes, sir. This creation, it says in Romans 8.22, groaneth and travaileth until the day when Christ shall return. There will be a new heaven and a new earth in which there will be no death. In that scripture, it says we too are waiting and looking and hoping for the resurrection and the redemption of our bodies, which will never die. Once they are raised, once our new bodies are raised and Christ comes and makes us like Himself, we will never die. That's a promise. That's something we can put our hope in, isn't it? We can't see it yet. Isn't that what we were looking at a moment ago? You can't really see it, but we can hope for it, can't we? Can we hope for it in something that we have done? No. But we can hope for it in our Lord and Savior who promises it to His people, can't we? be a new heaven and a new earth in which there will be no death, no decay, no rotting or anything like that. There will be nothing but life. The same thing is true with our bodies. This is what he's saying here. It is unseen. It is something that God has promised. It's something that will take place. It's something that we are certain of, but it is still unseen hope. Do we not hope to be like Christ someday? 
Do we not hope that there's a day coming when we'll put away this flesh, this sin, when it'll all be put away, burned up, and we'll stand in the presence of our Lord just like Him? In Romans chapter 5, listen to this. It says, This hope that we've been, that we, that we, being like our Lord, it is also a maturing hope, is what it is. Romans 5, verse 3 and 5, you see these words. We glory in tribulation, or in other words, glory in our troubles and trials, knowing that tribulation and trials work of patience, and patience worketh experience. This is important. The word experience means maturity or growth. Maturity produces hope. There is that word again. All through life. This is what Paul is saying. All through our life, believers have trials. We're being weaned from the world that we walk in. In this world, you will have tribulation is what it says. That's what our Lord said. You'll have troubles and trials. All that will that would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And these trials teach us patience. Patience with the providence of God and patience with those around us. It's patience in knowing that our Lord will work this out for our good. I don't know what it is now. You think a child who was raised by a man who raped him all their life would ever understand what was good in that? I can't imagine it either. But my Lord says it will be good for them that love Him. I can hope in that, can't we? Maturity produces hope. There's that word again. In this world you'll have tribulation. You'll have troubles and trials. God, God's people shall suffer. We learn patience through trials and troubles and we see our trials and troubles and it, we see how it produces stronger faith. It reveals faith. Trials and troubles and heartaches and sorrows and sickness and death, they don't produce it. They show that it's there. They reveal it. Doesn't make man believe God. When a man goes through certain trials, it reveals whether he does or does not believe God. So tribulation and troubles produce patience. Henry Meehan wrote this. He said, Patience produces experience or maturity or growth in grace. Maturity and growth gives us a better hope. Or in other words, if I live on this earth and walk with the living God and God visits my life with blessings and troubles, happiness and heartaches, then I learn patience. If God gives me success and failures and I go through all these trials and troubles and then I learn patience. I learn to wait on God. I learn to depend on God. I grow in grace and I grow in the knowledge of my Savior, the Lord Jesus. And the more I grow, the stronger my hope becomes. Do you see what he's saying? He says, I mature not only in grace, but I grow in hope. I've shared this with you before, but Pastor Gene and his wife Judy speak of it every time I talk to them. We're just waiting. Our hope is in our Lord. 
These bodies we walk in are falling apart and can't even get out of the chair anymore. But oh, I have a hope in my Lord just around the corner. It's almost done. It won't be long, John. And we'll stand with the Lord. That's growth and hope. I share with him a lot of times the things that I go through as a young minister. And I know I'm old, but I'm young in years as far as the ministry is concerned. I share with him things that go through my mind and the troubles that are laid on my heart being knowing that I'm insufficient, knowing that my only sufficiency is my Lord's. And he just laughs and he says, he says, John, and I was telling him the other day, I said, Brother, I don't even know if I can continue. I shared that with you a couple weeks back. And he said, John, you know how many times this is growth and hope. John, you know how many times I've gone through that very same thing. The Lord will get you through it. The young lady who's mother and father took their own lives whose brother was died in a motorcycle accident all I can tell her is have hope in God put your troubles at His feet His promise is that He'll get us through it that's what Pastor Gene's saying to me that's what I'm trying to tell you this morning no matter what trials you may be going through at the feet of Jesus. Lay it at His feet because He promises He'll bring us through it. And the day will come when we put it all aside. It'll all be behind us. And we'll stand in perfection in Him. Our hope is not just a profession of faith. Our hope is in and is of and by through the living Lord. That's what Peter is saying. In 1 Peter chapter 1-3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a living hope. Our hope is not in the flesh that we walk in, but it's in Him. The living God. Death could not hold Him. He sits on His throne today still working the government on His shoulders as it has always been. It's not just a profession of faith. It's a hope in Him. Christ hath begotten unto us a living hope. We're talking about an old profession of faith. Not one that that we made 20 years ago. I said that wrong. I said I'm not talking about an old profession of faith, one that I may have made 20 years ago. I'm not talking about an old experience that we have told over and over again. Our hope is in and through and by the living Lord today. It's a new hope every morning. I wake up, Lord, thank You. I have a new hope that I that my Lord is still with me because He refreshes my mind. He, he assures me that He's still on His throne today. He's still working it out right now according to His purpose. And it's still for my good.
Paul kind of said the same thing. Who is it that can condemn me? My hope is in Christ. He says it in these words, It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for me. That's again in Romans 8. Christ lives, and Christ lives in us, and we live in God by Him. Now look again, if you would, at our text here in 2 Thessalonians 2, chapter 16. The Scripture says this, Now our Lord Jesus Christ Himself, and God even our Father, which hath loved us, hath given us an everlasting consolation and a good hope. Now remember, I told you that this hope is an unseen hope. Yet, it is as sure as the promise of God. It is as sure as the Word of God. But it is still unseen. It is a maturing hope. As the years go by and as we grow in grace and we grow through the trials and God deals with us in His providence and purposes, our hope is strengthened and it matures. It's a good hope. You know why? Do you know why a believer's hope is a good hope? Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, we wouldn't have that hope. We'd be going around in the world with the hope of, well, maybe I'll get lucky today. Do any of you have that kind of hope before? How'd that work out for you? If it wasn't for His grace, we'd still be walking in that hope of the world, wouldn't we? Why is it a good hope? Because it's a... It's a hope that God's given us. And God's gifts are always good. Let's see where I've got it here. In Ephesians chapter 1, I believe it says, He hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenlies and in Christ Jesus. Every good gift and perfect gift cometh from God. Every gift of... that You realize that that means your faith, even if it's just as small even if it's just as weak as that little mustard seed, the smallest seed of all the plants, it's still a perfect faith. It may be small to you, but it's come from the Lord. You may feel like you don't have it, but what you do feel you do have is from Him. And it's a good faith because it's from Him. John said this, this is the record, God hath given us eternal life. So I want to tell you why it's a good hope. It's because God gave it to us. He's the one that loved us. We didn't love Him. We love Him because He first loved us. He not only loved us, but He chose us in Christ. He said this, He says, You didn't chose Me, I have chosen you. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He chose us from the beginning unto salvation. And it says that in 2 Thessalonians 2 over in verse 13. Look at that if you would. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Why? Because. Because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. 
He not only loved us and chose us, but He called us. Paul put it this way. He says, It pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb to call me by His grace. You see how we're building up the hope? Why is it a good hope? Because it comes from our Lord. The One who called us by His grace. He not only loved us and chose us and called us, He keeps us. He keeps us by His power. This is what it says in Ecclesiastes. uh, What God doeth, it shall be forever. In 1 Peter 1, verse 5, we are kept by the power of God. Why is our hope good? It's because God gave it to us. God Himself. God our Father hath given us good hope. Here's another reason why it's a good hope. It's a good hope because it's through grace. Isn't that what it says in our text? It says, Now our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father, hath given us a good hope through grace. It also says, For whom He foreknew, He also did predestinate. This is in Romans chapter 8. To be conformed to the image of His Son and whom He did predestinate, He called. And whom He called, He justified. And whom He justified, He will. Not maybe. Not might. But He will glorify. In John chapter 17, isn't that what our Lord and Savior is praying to the Father? Glorify Me, Lord, that I may glorify them. All of those that He's praying for. Not the world, but for those that the Father had given Him. It's a good hope because God gave it. It's a good hope because it's through grace. It's a gift of grace and grace cannot fail. It's a good hope because it's based on the person and the work of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus, not me. Not you. That's why we have no confidence in this flesh, isn't it? There's no hope in what I do. There's no hope in what you do. We all know how weak we are. If you're a child of God, that's the first thing He does is teach you how weak you are. And sometimes that's a pretty rough trial to go through, isn't it? I can tell you by experience, those kind of trials pop up all the time. It wasn't just once. It says, Our Lord Jesus Christ Himself, our Lord Himself came to this earth. Our Lord Himself took upon Himself our redemption and accomplished it. Paul says this in Hebrews, when He, speaking of our Lord and Savior, had by Himself purged our sins, He sat down at the right hand of God. You know what it says? He Himself. That means He'd done it. When He hung on that cross and He said it was finished, it was finished. That's what it means. By Himself. He told His apostles before He went to the cross, He said, you can't come with Me. You can't go where I've got to go. Can you drink the cup that I have to drink? No. They couldn't because they weren't perfect like He was. They weren't spotless like He was. 
It's a hope that we can't add anything, add anything to, but it's also a hope that we can't take anything away from. If I could, if I could, if I could take away from it or add anything to it, then I could not be assured of it, could I? Our hope is in the expectation that arises from the promised mercy of God. And that promise is in Christ Jesus His Son. Our hope is a confidence that it is based on His substitutionary work. Our hope is in the mediator who is seated at the right hand of God, working all things out according to the counsel of His own will. Well, what's the will of God? What is the will of God? The will of God is that Christ should lose none, isn't it? This is the will of the Father, that I shall lose none. Let me ask you some questions briefly, and I'll bring this to a close. And I'll try to answer it quickly. Is my hope, or no, my hope is a good hope. If I can give a good reason for that hope, listen to the Word of God and let everything be established by the Word of God. In 1 Peter chapter 3.15, the Scriptures say this. It says, Sanctify the Lord in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. What that means is you're to recognize the holiness of God. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Not only recognize, but express the holiness of God to those that come across your path. My God is so holy He cannot look upon you in your sin. The God of all creation can't even look down upon this creation anymore because it's tainted with sin. If He doesn't look upon you and see the blood of His Son, He won't see you. Sanctify the Lord of God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that seeketh your reason of hope. The hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Well, what's your reason? Let me share with you mine. Mine is Christ Jesus, the Son of God. That's the good hope in me. It's not a hope in going to church on Sunday. It's not a hope in going down and feeding the poor. And I pray the Lord will give me the ability and the desire to do those things when it's, when it's available to me. I pray that for you. But that's not where our hope is. Our hope is in our Lord and Savior and what He has done. He's my substitute. Instead of getting what I deserve, He took what I deserve upon Himself. He who knew no sin was made sin for me. He came to the earth and He worked out a perfect righteousness for me because I have no righteousness of my own. This is my hope in the One who's done that for me. 
He went to the cross and He died for my soul. He was buried and He rose again and He ascended on high to the right hand of God the Father where He sits right now. He is my righteousness. He is my holiness, my sanctification. He is my redemption. He's my hope. My hope is in Him and Him alone. Christ is all in all to me. What is He to you? What think ye of Christ? That is the reason I have hope. Secondly, my hope is a good hope. It's based on the Word of God. It's not on what I think. What does that mean? Well, I need to look through God's Word and interpret it. And if I can't get it that way, then I need to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord to show me the truth. It's in His Word. It's not in what I think or what you think. It's not in what we suppose or believe. No, in Romans 15.4 it says this, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort in the Scriptures might have hope. That's where my hope is at. It's right here. In the Word of God that points me to my Savior. Thirdly, my hope is a good hope for it rests entirely on the person and the work of Christ Jesus my Lord. It says Christ in you that is the hope of glory. Other foundation can no man lay that which is laid Christ the Lord. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved except for Christ the Lord. Is that clear? Can that be misunderstood? We sing this song, don't we? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. We also sing this in another song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, His righteousness. Folks, that is good hope. Fourthly, my hope is a good hope for it brings me rest. It brings joy and peace in Christ Jesus. Listen to the words of Romans chapter 15, Now the God of hope fill you with joy. I'm not talking about an artificial hand-waving thing. I'm filled with the Spirit. Look how happy I am. I'm talking about the only hope and the only joy I have is in what my Savior has done for me. We love our little ones, don't we? Our children. But then they grow up. I'm not saying we don't still love them. But it's not like it was when they were little, was it? Is it? Oh, I've got to take care of my little ones so much. Now they take care of themselves and they make their own way through the world. My only peace is in my Savior who's working all of that out for my good. Fifthly, my hope is a good hope because it's a a good hope if, if it believes God and acts in faithfulness regardless of the circumstances. Romans 4 verse 18, Abraham 
against all hope. He believed God, didn't he? He was an old man. He was him and Sarah were both long past being able to have children, yet he still had hope and acted on that. His hope was in Christ. He had no human reason to expect a son, yet he believed God. He staggered not at the promise of God, so it was imputed to him for righteousness. Folks, conditions and circumstances do not change a good hope. A hope which is based on faith in Christ and not the feelings of the flesh. That is a good hope if we can rest in Christ regardless of the circumstances or the situations or the conditions. And last of all, my hope is a good hope if it continues to the end. Christ is the Son over His house. That's what we read. It says, Whosoever we are, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of this hope, firm to the end. In 2 Timothy 4, verses 7-8, through 8, we read these words. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me one, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto them, unto all them, also the love is appearing. I ask you this morning. Where is your hope? If you have hope in something that you are doing, I ask you, I beg of you, I, I plead with you. Put it aside. Turn to it no more. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. For there is the only hope that will get us through this world as we sojourn through it. Amen?